The book of Matthew 5, 45, and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We know that this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and that commandment is addressed by Christ specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful they will ever be able to. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within your heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart? And in part, we have been studying the essence here of the calling God called us to, that we should be vigilant in the temple of our body, vigilant over the word of God that is concealed in our heart, because God is vigilant over his word, in the temple of our body, and so it is from there, from the temple of our body, He shines His Son upon the righteous and the unrighteous, and from there, from the temple of our body, He sends His rains upon the just and the unjust. And it's not talking about a physical sun or a physical rain. When it's talking about being perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, it's not talking about a physical sun and rain. It's referring to our ability to be light for the world and for our ability to give life to this world, to be their reigns. <clears throat> what world? The world of the saved. The world is separated to the world of the saved and those that are condemned, those who rejected salvation. The world that rejected salvation, the sun is supposed to burn them and the rains are supposed to drown them, our rains and our sun, because that is what God had spoken in His Word and He confirmed this upon the mountain of Gerizim and Ebal, blessing and cursing. And so God is not tolerant and from the position of our gentle mouth he wants to he wants us to be as he is that we demonstrate his perfection that we understand that evil company corrupt good habits and not communicate with them and in this way we condemn them because they have already condemned themselves we have stopped as we said to study the goals that the righteousness of God pursues within our heart. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, we in the death of the Lord Jesus, die by the law for the law, so that in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected, so that in this way we can obtain confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of life, so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to 
Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4, 13. <clears throat> Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. God's faith is information that comes from the preached word. And so the faith of God is the general in our heart. And our faith is our strict obedience to that word. <clears throat> that is the difference between God's faith and our faith. That is because the children of God do not know the difference between uh God's faith and ours, they confuse them. They think that God's faith is the same. It is not the same. When the scriptures say, have God's faith, this is one thing. <clears throat> and when it says, Abraham believed in God, this is different. He believed. He obeyed the word of God, God's faith. And so, by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart? which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy. We know that to examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God, as it is written. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. This is also in Luke and many pl places of Scripture. And Jeremiah also writes, Blessed are the peacemakers. A peacemaker is a person that has within himself peace with God. This is a state that is not able to be uh, interrupted or interfered by anything or anyone, and such a person can be a peacemaker. To be a peace peacemaker is to have God's wisdom to perform peace amongst the saints. If you have peace with God, then you will perform peace with one another and not violate it. You will be considerate of one the other and you will not spread negative uh, ideas, thoughts and so forth about one another but will cover one another in a particular format we already looked at six of the signs the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God and we stopped to study the seventh sign this is a very surprising sign, our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Selective is holy. And so if lo the love of God is holy, then it cannot be uh, tolerant. It is selective. God can't, doesn't love everyone the same. He does not only not love everyone the same, He hates specific people. He hates the unclean and loves the righteous. But above all things, put on love. And so, you see, it is not God that will be putting us in love. We will be putting ourselves in love. And we can do this by the words of faith, the obedience of our faith to God's faith. Because from your words you will be justified and from your words you will be condemned. With your own words you clothe yourself. Uh, our words are a net, and and you have caught yourself in your you catch yourself in your own nets. If our words will <clears throat> demonstrate God's will, then we are catching ourselves into the nets of the kingdom of heaven. But if our words will be 
our own interpretations, personal interpretations of scripture, then we will catch ourselves in nets of the evil one, thinking we're catching ourselves into the nets of, of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And that means that we need to know the perfect words that are in accordance to the implemented by God law so that we can confess it as the faith of our heart, as our own, and clothe ourselves into it. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Only then will the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. You know, friends uh, are considerate with one another in many things. And you ask, why did you get offended when he, he said, didn't you not get offended when this person said this? And why do you get offended when this person says it? But he said, because I know what he meant when he said that. Although he says, what he, he's saying the same thing. I know what his heart uh has uh, a, he, what he feels about me and so I know he is not offending me in scripture the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of God the characteristics of God this is the quality of God's character that we need to learn and that we need to grow within our heart because it is in the form of a seed in us, but we need to grow that seed so that we can be in the likeness of our Father. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And all of them, one come from the other. They identify the truthful nature of, the, of each one the other. In a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we have already studied five characteristics and have been studying the sixth. This is the calling to demonstrate the love of God agape within brotherly love. The presence of this great and noble component in demonstrating our faith moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. We know. We don't feel. We know. This is information. Faith, uh, the faith of God is based on information and not what I feel or you feel. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. It, you may actually be feeling hell in yourself. It will be terrible and you will feel literal hell in yourself because there's a great battle for our body happening inside between the old person, between our uncircumcised mind and the mind of Christ that is the mind of our spirit. And so nothing good is there uh, in, the, in the moment, uh, meaning uh, good in feeling, that you're feeling something good or bad. Uh, oh, I'm not feeling good, that means God has left me. If Oh, I feel good, that means God's with me. That's not how you determine that. You need to leave these feelings and lead them. Don't push them away entirely. We need to discipline them and <clears throat> and then direct them where they need to go. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, 14, 15. 
Relevant to this, as with the previous components of the virtue of God and His unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in seven components, we came to the necessity to study four uh, classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, in the essence of the love of God, which has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us? What purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. In a specific format, we already looked at these first three questions and stopped to study question four. By what science can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit, who is given to us? Since the first two signs by which we need to judge that we are demonstrating the power of the love of God agape in our faith, in brotherly love, have already been studied, we will immediately turn to study the third sign. I will remind us of the first two, and then we will start to study the third sign. The first sign by which we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating God's love, which reveals itself in brotherly love, is our ability to judge the cause of the poor and needy that is founded upon the law of righteousness. And when it's talking about the poor and needy, it's talking about our sacred person. That and we need to judge the cause uh, his cause because he has a judgment he has ju- he, he has uh, filed against the old person and we need to de- uh, judge the cause meaning between the old person and the new person and our prince needs to and then stand on the side of the of the new person and condemn the old person the second sign by which we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating God's love, which reveals itself in brotherly love, is by the absence of the organ of stumbling within our heart. It is only in those people who don't have God's love in them. If you have God's love, you will have the absence of stumbling within your heart. But if you don't have God's love, you will stumble. And upon what? The Word of God, upon the holiness of God, upon His morals, upon the moral morals of his his messengers and the words that they speak they will stumble and they will consider god to be unjust because of how he uh, lifted up david like i heard from one of the evil men evil people who had left uh, uh, who had left our church? Why did God uh, lift him up? And we're we're pre- we're learning about him. What what he had committed, God had uh, forgiven. He had blotted out his sins. They don't acknowledge God's uh, Christ's uh, blood with uh, the blood of Christ. God blots out the memory of sin. One who falls, who is righteous, he remains righteous. He runs to God and confesses his sins. And he confesses before God's anointed one, and God blots out this memory from his mind. 
and of course these wicked and evil terrible people they don't acknowledge that fact because their father's the devil he also doesn't acknowledge it he's always uh, with some kind of paper running around saying look look at the sins past sins that have been blotted out and the Lord's looking uh, to see what we will say in the moment because as soon as he shows God at this time we hear it this is an accusation against us he's showing it to God and us and saying do you remember you did this and we say the Lord lives before whom I stand I am justified by the blood of the covenant God has blotted out my sins and they are not before God's face get away from me Satan and the Lord rejoices because the Lord from his side has already done this and he's put it in his word and when we have put this uh, word into our heart now it depends from us when this thought comes into our mind do you remember I don't remember anything not because I forgot but because God had blotted it out it doesn't exist anymore and so when the Holy Spirit opens before the devil look in my book there's nothing there the sin isn't there it's in your book but it's not in mine and so the third sign by which we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating God's love which reveals itself in brotherly love is by the collaboration of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind with the wisdom of God I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me Proverbs 8 12 and 17 the one that seeks the wisdom of God in God's faith in the words of his messengers he will find it and the one that loves this word he inclines his ear to listen and he rejects his will for the benefit of fulfilling God's will the scriptures say this one I love and the one that seeks me will find me the wisdom of God in the format of the fear of the Lord contained in our good heart in the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ and the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart can dwell in our mind upon the following conditions when our mind by the power of the resurrection of Christ is renewed by the spirit of our mind which makes it able to study the truth that is concealed in the heart and match up this truth with the truth of the Word of God and for this purpose it is necessary for us to have the identification of the wisdom of God within our heart so that we can differentiate it from the wisdom that is earthly sensual and demonic as it is written there's wisdom that is earthly sensual and demonic and the other uh, wisdom that comes from above which is the Word of God that is concealed in our heart or the fear of the Lord that presents this wisdom who is wise and understanding among you let him show by good conduct that it that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom <clears throat> wisdom always presents itself in meekness and gentleness this is the discipline of your tongue uh, by the covenant of the most high the word of the most high but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth this wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual and demonic for where envy and self-seeking exists confusion and every evil thing are there but the wisdom that is from above is first pure 
then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James 3, 13 through 18. We need to grow this fruit of righteousness. When God makes a covenant of righteousness with us, He makes it in the form of a seed, and we need to grow it. We need to confirm the covenant, that is, to grow the fruit of righteousness. And so the phrase, who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom, speaks of the fact that no, not all types of restraint or uh, where a person withholds himself is not all it's not always a demonstration of the meekness of his wisdom sometimes a person restrains or withholds himself not because he is wise but because he does not know what he should say or do in the current circumstance or the current situation in the given place of scripture we see the grown by his fruit of the spirit from the collaboration of our renewed mind and wisdom that comes down into our heart from above And by the character of the given fruit, we can determine the character of wisdom that comes down from above, that in nature is firstly pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Therefore, looking at the concluding phrase, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, we can determine that the ability to collaborate our renewed mind with wisdom that comes down from above is possible when we fulfill three conditions giving us the ability to keep faithfulness that is made with God in the covenant of peace. First, if we have cleansed our conscience from dead works. Second, if we have put the condition of the covenant of peace that is made with God inside of us in the baptism of water, spirit, and fire. And third, if we keep faithfulness to that made with God covenant of peace. Fulfilling these three conditions makes the soil of our heart able to receive the seed of righteousness as well as grow this seed into the fruit of righteousness. In demonstrating the love of God in your faith that reveals itself in the power of brotherly love. When our conscience by the means of the collaboration of our renewed mind with the wisdom that comes from above is cleansed from dead works and the covenant of peace with God is established inside of it. Our renewed mind receives the ability to be clothed into the power of a wise king who will need to cleanse our body from unclean thoughts and desires of the flesh to prepare it so that it can be clothed into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person. A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. Proverbs 20, 26. Studying our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind in the form of a wise king, we need to keep in mind that there also exists an inner layer of of people, a large number, in the midst of the nation of God, whose intelligent abilities are not renewed by the spirit of their mind, and these people are described in scripture as foolish kings. There's wise kings and foolish kings. As a matter of fact, such a king was Saul who, unlike King David, refused to renew his mind by the spirit of his mind so that God can receive a legitimate basis upon which he could establish him as king. The scriptures state, because of a foolish king, which is our mind, that is not renewed by the spirit of our mind, our earth, which is our body, is perturbed, shaking, and unsettled, and is not able to bear it up. For three things, the 
The earth is perturbed, yes, for four it cannot bear up. For a servant when he reigns, a fool, a fool when he is filled with food, a hateful woman when she is married, and a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. Proverbs 30, 31 through 23. 21 to 23. First, the mind of Saul was a slave of sin and was in complete dependence of the old person that lived within his body when God, by Samuel, anointed him to be king over Israel. Israel rejected the authority of Samuel as king over themselves, who represented the authority of God for them. And because of this fact, God gave them King Saul in his anger and then took him away in his wrath, as the earth was not able to bear up such a king. O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all your cities and your judges to whom you said, Give me a king and princes. I gave you a king in my anger, and I took him away in my wrath. Hosea 13, 9-11 To demonstrate the power of brotherly love in your faith, the relationship between God and the born-from-God child needs to be placed in dependence of demonstrating your love to God. In the given situation, love to God, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith and the power of brotherly love, consists in a person rejecting his foolish king, that is his carnal mind, so that he can accept the wise king, who is his sacred person, as the mind of Christ. This provides God with a foundation to pour upon such a person his elective love agape, and it gives the person the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in his faith. Second, the earth is perturbed, yes, for four it cannot bear up, for a servant when he reigns, a fool when he is filled with food, a servant is a servant that is filled with food is the mind of the carnal man who depends on money and uses the principles of faith to improve his materialistic well-being at the same time the principles of faith are given to us so that we so we have control over money that is supported by the demonic prince mammon and if money has control over us this is the root of all evil or the mark of the beast upon our foreheads us having control over money is the root of all good or the seal of God upon our foreheads. And so when we honor God with our tithes and our offerings, this is the seal of God upon our foreheads. When we demonstrate our love to God by honoring God with our tithes and our offerings, we reject the authority or control of money over us for the purpose of ourselves having this control over money. By demonstrating such a love to God, God receives the foundation He needs to pour out His love agape on us, the power of which we are called to demonstrate in brotherly love. Third, the earth is perturbed, yes, for four it cannot bear up, a hateful woman when she is married. This happens when the sacred person makes a union with the reasonable abilities of our soul when it does not have the mark of circumcision, where it preserves a union with the old man. When we demonstrate our love to God, where in Christ Jesus we die for the law by the law so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected, God receives the foundation that he needs to pour out his love agape upon us. And as a result, we receive power to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. Fourth, the earth is perturbed, yes, for four it cannot bear up, a maidservant who succeeds her, her mistress. This happens when we allow the emotional feelings of our soul, 
which are called to be our maid servant, to rule over our reasonable abilities and, and evaluate our relationship with God. Looking at what we are feeling and not looking upon the informational aspect that is based upon our sensible or sober knowledge that we receive by being instructed in the faith. In this way, to demonstrate your love to God in the power of brotherly love is possible when we place ourselves in dependence of our renewed mind, leading under the bridle our horse of feelings. As a result of following such a godly order, God receives the legitimate basis that He needs to pour out His love agape upon us, giving us the ability to demonstrate power of brotherly love in our faith. Therefore, the symbol of people where their maidservant takes the place of her mistress, the scriptures imply people that have been born from the seed of the word of truth, but have not acknowledged Jesus as king over themselves in the form of his messengers. In their songs, these people confess that Jesus is their king. But when you look closely, it turns out that their king is either a foolish king or a servant when he is filled with food or a hateful woman or a bondservant who takes the place of her mistress. Theoretically, we know that our essence has areas that in essence are the servant and bondservant of our new person and need to always stay this way. As it is written, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But fruit, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But now having been set for free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Romans 6, 19 through 22. To the great misfortune, many saints are not led by the reasonable abilities of their new person, who is called to be the master of their essence, but rather their personal feelings, or the reasonable abilities of their soul that are not called to and are not able to contain themselves or in themselves the wisdom of God that comes from above and revealing themselves in the fear of the Lord. The scriptures call a wise king our new person in the situation that he has grown into the full measure of growth in Christ and has obtained a wise heart where the two great witnesses began to collaborate with one another. These are those that stand before God of all the earth in the form of the Thummim and the Urim. Thummim, which is the word of God, and Urim, that reveals the truth that's in the heart. The character of a wise king is called to reveal itself in the qualities of wisdom that comes from above, the qualities of which, in relation to one another, possess a surprising balance, as they are diluted in one the other and identify the truthful nature of one the other. But wisdom that comes from above comes from above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy James 3.17 these come one from the other and confirm the truthfulness of one the other the soul by itself even in the first Adam never possessed and will never be able to possess similar qualities of unearthly wisdom if Adam and Eve being carnal in their state would have possessed similar qualities, then the ancient serpent would never have succeeded in deceiving them. 
In the given situation, the saying, one that is born to crawl will never be able to fly, and in, this is very accurate when it comes to the carnal or fleshly man that is not able to collaborate his carnal mind with wisdom that comes from above. If the soul is created to be a servant of our spirit, then even if he would have received the throne as Saul did, she will only have access to wisdom that is earthly, sensual, and demonic, which we were able to see in Saul when in the time that was difficult for him, he turned to demonic wisdom, which was a witch. Therefore, if our wisdom comes from the collaboration of our renewed mind with the wisdom of God, then it will demonstrate itself in the qualities and characteristics of wisdom that comes from above. If our earthly wisdom that is sensual and demonic, then you shouldn't boast about and lie about the truth. The soul that has not experienced crucifixion with Christ will never be able to possess and collaborate with wisdom that comes from above with all of its desire and practice in, in religious experiences. Wisdom that comes from above is only able to be in the spirit of man when it is accomplished and accompanied by fulfilling three conditions. First, when the spirit of a man grows in faith, comes into full measure of growth in Christ that is able to hear and differentiate in his spirit the voice of the Holy Spirit from the spirit of deception. And these are the voices of men and their spirit. When he acknowledges the delegated authority of God over himself and differentiates it from authority of false apostles and false prophets, when the new person collaborating his mind with the renewed spirit of our mind fulfills and follows the heard by him word in the word of the person that is sent by God. According to the revelations of Scripture, the delegated authority of God for man is the quality of our spirit that has been grown into the stature of fullness of growth in Christ and the obedience of all human authority within the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord. If all of these components are not able to fruitfully collaborate with one another and live with one another, then this means that we have not yet grown into the full measure of growth in Christ and are not able to collaborate with wisdom that comes from above. Only having a wise king, all of these components can unite in absolute harmony and complete balance. If a person does not understand the voice of his spirit and is not able to communicate with him because he trusts in the voice of his own mind, upon the voice of his religious or life experiences, upon his education, upon his dreams and visions, he will never achieve a desired harmony of these components. People who begin to trust upon their dreams and their visions sooner or later will leave the service. We need to never forget that if our dreams and our visions are not able to be validated by the Word of God and cannot be confirmed in our spirit as well as by the words of the person that is placed over us by God who is our pastor, then this means that we are incorrectly developing our spirit. With a proper order and development of our spirit, when we turn to the revelations of the Holy Spirit in specific challenging questions we may have and begin to meditate about them, harmonizing them with scripture, the correct answer will come from our spirit into our mind that we are able to examine and check for the legitimacy of its origination. According to the words of scripture, the Holy Spirit has prepared the opportunity of such a development of relationship between man and God for all of his children. He wants us to reject the foolish man that is in our essence and put the wise king upon the throne of our heart that would be able to get rid of all that is unclean and send the 
threshing wheel against them. As it is written, give ear and hear my voice, listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has leveled his service, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin, plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the pointed's place, and the spelt in its place? For if he instructs him in right judgment, his God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with the threshing sledge, nor as a cartwheel rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with a stick, and the cumin with a rod. Bread flour must be ground, therefore he does not thresh it forever, break it with its cartwheel, or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Isaiah 28:23-29. The prophet Isaiah is in awe of the wisdom of God that is demonstrated in the threshing wheel of a wise king that he activates so that he can get rid of unclean thoughts and separate the, the chaff from the pure grain in our body by separating the clean from the unclean and holy from the unholy. Our born from God's spirit is the pure grain and the chaff is the uncrucified nature of our soul with her ambitions and its national culture, religious experiences, and habits. The threshing wheel, as well as the winnowing fan, is the tool of sanctification, which includes the collaboration of the Thummim and Urim in our spirit. And such a wheel can only be possessed by a person that has entered through the narrow gate or one that has discovered upon the field of his body the precious pearl, which is the promise that is called to erect the incorrupt stronghold of life in our body, and he sold all that he had, and he purchased this field. Only by the means of possessing such a threshing wheel, we are able to get rid of the uncrucified nature of the soul from our body, which is tightly connected to the curse of the genetic code that has been passed on to us by the sinful life of our fathers. A wise king will bring this threshing wheel against his sinful nature and will get rid of this sinful nature from our body. This is to cleanse it from all that defiles the living in a sin. We need to consider that it is not only referring to the cleansing of an individual person, but the cleansing of the entire chosen by God remnant, about whom John the Baptist said. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise children to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. These whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Matthew 3, 7-12 In the tenth chapter of the book of the prophet Ezekiel, the threshing wheel of the wise king is presented in the form of fiery wheels that are filled with eyes inside and out, which symbolize the collaboration of the Thummim and Urim. 
in the book of the prophet Daniel, the collaboration of, of the wisdom of God with the renewed mind of man is presented in the throne of God and its wheels had the appearance of a burning fire. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, his wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame as for the rest of the beasts they had beasts they had their dominion taken away yet their lives were prolonged for a season and, and a time I watched in the in the night vision and behold one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Daniel 7, 9-14. Further, in the book of the prophet Ezekiel, we find words that someone spoke from the throne to the man who was clothed in linen, and he told him to, to go among the fiery wheels and fill his hand with coals of fire and scatter them over the city. Then he spoke to the man clothed with linen and said, Go in among the wheels, under the cherub, fill your hands with coal of fire, coals of fire from among the cherubim and scattered them over the city and I looked and there in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubim there appeared something like a sapphire stone having the appearance of the likeness of the throne then he spoke to the man clothed with linen and said go in among the wheels under the cherub fill your hands with coals of fire from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city and he went in as he watched now the cherubim were standing on the uh, south side of the temple. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the threshold of the temple, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim were heard even in the outer courts, like the voice of Almighty God when He spoke. Then it happened... When he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from among the wheels, from among the cherubim, then he went in and stood beside the wheels. And the cherub stretched out his hand from among the cherubim to the fire that was among the cherubims, and took some some of it and put it into the hands of the man clothed with linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the forms of a man's hand under their wings. And when I looked, there was four wheels by the cherubim, one wheel by one cherub, and another wheel by, by each other cherub. The wheels appeared to have the color of barrel stone. As for their appearance, all four looked alike, as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went toward any of their four directions. They did not turn aside when they went, but followed in the direction the head was facing. They did not turn aside when they went. And their whole body, with their back, their hands, their wings, and the wheels that the four had were full of eyes all around. And for the wheels, they were called, in my hearing, wheel. Each one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub, the second face the face of a man, the third face of a lion, and the fourth face the eagle. And the cherubim were lifted up. This was the living creature I saw by the river Chebar. When the cherubim went, the wheels went beside them, and when the cherubim lifted their wings to mount up from the earth, the same wheels did also in turn from beside them. When the cherubim stood still, the wheels stood still, and when one was lifted up, the other lifted itself up, for the spirit of the living creature was in them. 
вихрь, обозначающий действие правосудия, производимого Богом. Через колеса, This is Ezekiel 10, 1 through 17. Galgal is the word Ezekiel heard for a wheel, wheel, circle, whirlwind that identified the word, the work of justice that is being performed by God, using the wheels which present the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in the house of God, which symbolizes our incorrupt body. The city upon which these coals of fire were scattered is Jerusalem. The reason why Jerusalem was subject to the judgment of God was for the purpose of carrying out judgment upon the house of God, first to separate the chosen by God remnant from the multitude of the sinners that lived within the city, to cleanse with the fire of justice the chosen by God remnant from all the foreign inclusions of the flesh. 1 Peter 4, 17-19, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, that will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God. Now if the righteousness... Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their soul to him, doing good as to a faithful creator. Without the cleansing fire that is demonstrated in judgment that was carried out by God using the wheel that is filled with eyes inside and out over the chosen by God remnant as well as the individual people who are partakers of the category of the chosen by God remnant will never become clean to be separated from the in inherited impurity. The reason for this is because prayer and fasting alone without the teaching of the all-consuming fire of holiness is powerless to perform cleansing of the foreign inclusions of the flesh. Jesus said, uh, know the truth and the truth will uh, make you free. It is quite often because of ignorance that comes from resistance of the truth. The wheels that find themselves in the prayers of the saints turn either against them or against other saints instead of getting rid of impurity or uncleanness within your body. Only the confessions of the faith of God that abide within our heart become threshing wheels, able to get rid of all uncleanness from our essence in order to prepare our bodies for the erection of the stronghold of life in them. Therefore, if we have formed our mouth into a threshing wheel and are confessing the faith of God with our mouth that abides within our heart, then this is a sign of brotherly love, where we demonstrate the love of God agape in our neighbors or to our neighbors. Fourth sign by which we can examine ourselves. I want to note also that this great vision that we just uh, looked at, this is in our body, in the temple of our body, when our bodies are built into a house of the Lord. And when they are built into a temple of God, then the glory of God uh, covers everything, the outer courtyard and everything else. The cherubims, as we know, these are a symbol of holiness in our body a symbol of holiness and the uh, handful of coals these are those prayer words that we confess cleansing ourselves from all human inclusions that are there because when we receive the word of God then absolutely it in some way is being mixed with inclusions of the flesh the word of God by itself is pure, but why does it need to be cleansed seven times in the furnace? Because we have separated it from our carnal mind. We don't mix them so that we not uh, create a Babylon inside of ourselves. Fourth sign by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God that reveals itself in brotherly love is by the component of what we boast about. Because that, what we boast about, is our trust. 
our inheritance and our worship. Galatians 6, 12 through 16. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not offer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Those who behave and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. In the given situation, the truth about the cross of Christ is the word about the cross the truth is the word about the cross of Christ, which is the key that opens up the door to our glorious and imperishable inheritance contained in the blood of Christ. The blood cleanses from sin, as we know. The cross as the altar separates from the cause of the sin. The cross deals with the producer or manufacturer of sin. At the same time, the blood deals with sin itself. The blood is called to cleanse us from sin. At the same time, the cross, as the altar, is called to separate us from the cause of the sin. The cross deals with the producer or manufacturer of sin. At the same time, the blood deals with the product or with the sin itself. Sin is an infectious, deadly virus that is a carrier of the informational program of destruction that is not able to function on its own, out of, or independent of a programmable system, which is a man. And such a, ge- such a deadly virus is presented and is implemented into a person's essence at the will of the person himself. The reason why the virus of sin so easily is received and implemented in man is because it is presented to man as a revelation of the will of God, supporting it with certain text in the Holy Scriptures that relates to satisfying his natural desires. When a person is deceived with such a virus of sin, then sin, by the means of its informational program, forms the nature of a person into its image and then the nature of a person becomes an enterprise for sin production. Not just infecting him himself, but those who then come in contact with him also. In this way, the virus of sin as a form of leprosy receives the ability to infect a person and spread in him. With all of this, this person still thinks that he is headed in the direction of eternal life. However, even though this looks like as if hopeless situation, God challenges this virus in the revelations of his word, offering a person the ability to examine himself. How much his faith teaching is corresponding to the truth of the word? How much his service is corresponding to the order of that is in the kingdom of heaven? And to the angel of the church of the Lydicesans, write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The name Amen means faithful and true. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. 
because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salvade, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelations 3, 14-22 First we ask the question, in what way, when we carry our cross, do we collaborate with the truth of the cross of Christ so that we can destroy the producer of sin and death? Second, in what way, upon practice, are we called to collaborate with the truth of the blood of Christ so that we can receive the ability to bring about the cleansing of sin? What qualities does the essence of the blood of Christ have, and what do we need to do from our side to collaborate with the truth of of the blood of the cross of Christ? I want to remind us once again that the unique in its nature power of the blood of Christ, apart from the cross of Christ, will not benefit us. This is because specifically the truth about the cross of Christ is the exclusive power that opens up access to the inheritance concealed or contained in the blood of Christ. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile the things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made a a peace through the blood of His cross. Colossians 1.19.20 We won't forget that the goal of the professional deceiver and adversary consists in separating the truth about the blood of Christ from the truth of the cross of Christ for the purpose of presenting to the person only that part of the truth that would impress his desires for which he would not be able to pay any price. That's what we often will hear in our songs that you need to pay anything, everything is paid for, and so forth. God did pay the price, yes, but the person needs to receive that price. But a person doesn't want the price, they want to do something else. This is why the truth about the blood of Christ, separate from the cross of Christ, is so alluring, attractive, and tempting because it is being edited and presented out of our uh, separate, out of or separate of the truth of the cross of Christ. And the role of man to make sure the truth of the blood of Christ happens is just to be a dependent, which sums up to him in this way as satisfying all of the coming about desires in this man. And in such an interpretation, there is not place left for fulfilling the desires and interests of God, as God and and His truth are subjected to expansive or demonstrative exploitation exclusively to benefit the interests of a man. The shedding of the blood of Christ was first called to satisfy the demands of the holiness of God, and not the desire of man, as this blood was brought in before God's face. And only after, when a man collaborates with God in the subject of the cross of Christ, the blood can satisfy the demands of man. We we are quite familiar that collaborating with God 
there are clearly defined roles for the one and the other side. Considering this, God always comes in the role of a helper, which upon practice means that God will never make a decision for us and will never make decisions for us or without us. And only when we make the right choice and complementing that choice decision, He will immediately send us His help in the form of His revelation. <clears throat> Mark 8, 34, 35. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples, also he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Mark 8, 34, 35. Pay attention. In this place, we are clearly seeing our roles and our abilities demonstrated in the carrying of our cross, which allows us to follow Christ or to collaborate with the truth of the cross of Christ. In other words, carrying our cross opens up access to the surprising and unique power that is contained in the truth of the cross of Christ. For Christ did not send us send me to be to baptize but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God 1 Corinthians 1:17-18 according to the given place following Christ lightly that is without carrying your own cross or without collaborating your your cross with the cross of Christ is a futile thing a waste of time and life and if the cross of Christ is the calling of Christ demonstrated in his obligations and his responsibility carrying his cross included the perfect will of the Father and the goal for the sake of which the Father sent his Son into the world our cross is our calling demonstrated in our obligations and our responsibilities and to fulfill our obligations you need to one condition to deny yourself or abandon everything in other words identifying our cross <clears throat> the Son of Man, His cross was to lose His life and take our sinful life and give Him us His pure life. We carrying our cross lose our life that we inherited from our fathers and we obtain His life. We can't just obtain His life if we don't lose our life that we received uh, genetically <clears throat> the seed about which David said I was born in iniquity but he said he writes later uh, sprinkle me with hyssop and I will be pure hyssop is our tongue confessing the word of God that is in our heart we received the word of God about justification but at this time our soul remains the same our body still the same and the old person is still there and now we need to take this word that is concealed in our heart, we need to confess that word, and that means to uh, sprinkle me with hyssop. If uh, a person was sprinkled with hyssop by a priest in the past, today this hyssop, there are two that sprinkle us today. This is our tongue and the person that is called by God to forgive sins and retain sins. Without these, uh, without the uh, collaboration of our tongue, our gentle tongue, 
<clears throat> that would collaborate with the person of God whom God has placed in the church to forgive sins and retain sins, <clears throat> the person himself will not be able to sprinkle himself with hyssop because for this to happen, you need to receive knowledge and this knowledge is able to be received through God's messenger. He can't receive it or a person can't receive it in any religious uh, institutions or schools. This revelation can be received in the body of Christ, being a partaker of the body of Christ. Even being in the church and you hear the word, you may not be a part of that uh, body of Christ, but just be a member because, and the reason is because you refuse to die for your nation, the house of your father, and for the corrupt desires of the soul. Theoretically, you receive it, but on practice, you don't want to do it. On practice, is count yourself dead to sin, living for God. Proclaim the not-existent stronghold of life that's in your body as existent. And with patience, wait until God will clothe our body into incorruption. And when we fall in battle with the old person for our body, immediately rise again, confess, for, uh, repent, and keep going. And perfectly understand that it, there won't be an immediate result. When you confess, there's not an immediate result. The result you will see later. And so that's why we need to wait for that result in patience and perseverance. And know that upon our account, and what is placed upon our account is the word of God that is con- concealed in us. That very word that is concealed in us is placed upon our account in Christ Jesus. God will use this word by our confessions so that he can then clothe us into that word. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved and is in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 According to the given place, following Christ lightly, that is, without carrying our own cross, as we said, or without collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, this is a futile thing, a waste of time and a life. Our responsibility is to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, and this means we need to deny ourselves and die to everything else so we can receive the new life. In other words, identifying our cross is presented in the commandments and ordinances of God that belong exclusively to us, and fulfilling or listening to these commandments from our side is carrying our cross. Therefore, what is the truth about the cross of Christ? What power and what wisdom is contained in this rejected by men truth? And what is the difference between the cross of Christ and our cross? In literal terms, the cross is a tool used for putting people to death, or the capital form of punishment that was practiced in the ancient world, and in part with the Israelites, that later was adopted and legalized by Roman judges for slaves and for all those who were not citizens of Rome. If you remember in scripture, every time when they, when lawless people were there, they said, uh, put them on the cross and they need to uh, hang uh, until the setting of the sun and then 
take them down. Like the five kings, if you remember, they went against the Gibeonites and and so they then ran to Gilgal and asked uh, that these Gibeonites came to Gilgal, came to the people of Israel and out said, uh, help us, we made a union with you, now uh, our enemies are wanting to kill us for that. They made a, 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 a an agreement with Joshua, and Joshua came from Gilgal and performed an incredible victory, and these five kings that were uh, colluding with one another to go against the Gibeonites, they were destroyed. They were caught, they were hiding in a cave, and they came to Joshua and said, what do we do with them? He said to kill them and hang them on a tree uh, uh, on the cross and then at, till the uh, setting of the sun and then they took them down and put them in a cave. These five kings are still there. It's written. That means that God in his promises, these five senses that we have that are under the power control of the old person that that resist our mind and force us to do what we don't want. God has already completed the work. Those kings are still there till this day. Our goal is to confess with our mouth. When you begin to confess, you receive then the power to be patient, to overcome. You will know that you need to overcome it and it's a privilege. And this is one who has resisted the old man. While a person has not resisted the old man, his genetic beginnings, his origin, he will not feel anything uh, negative or bad. He will, it will be the opposite. The old person will put on garments of holiness and will help him sanctify, will help him serve God, will help him pray and preach and sing and offer. That's what the old self will do. Why? Because when she's doing this, the person is not focused then on bearing fruits or redeeming his body. He is focused on how many more people he could bring to God. And he thinks that if he's going to bring more people to God, the greater this will be and this will be a guarantee of his rapture. But that is not a guarantee of rapture. A guarantee of our rapture is the fruit of righteousness that we bear when our character becomes Christ's character. We read that character of Christ, the seven qualities, that, that's the ladder of Peter. If there, we don't have that, we know many of these unfortunate evangelists that <clears throat> I am looking at uh, <clears throat> with sadness. They were truly anointed and God did anoint them to be evangelists. And so, uh, the new person has not yet grown, uh, and so he needs to first anoint the per- the mind uh, before the uh, new person is fully grown, and so a person begins working with his mind, and as we talked about, while he's still an infant, if he's in the church, I repeat, if he's, he abides in the church where God's theocracy is, then this infant won't listen to others. When it says leave spiritual infancy, that means that this infant was born in such a church that 
uh, did not have God's order. When there's one after the next coming up on the stage, one talking about one thing, one another, and they just all talk about their own things. To be in one spirit, they don't have that. But still, these people have the ability to grow, and they begin to understand. All of us have grown, and all of us were infants in, 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 spiritually, and we've seen churches. But time comes to leave that spiritual infancy, to get out of it. And when we leave that spiritual infancy so that we can follow one voice, we followed many voices prior to that, and that's what everyone's experienced. Oh, or what this brother who came from this place, and people go and just want to hear all. But when a person doesn't come out of that spiritual infancy to then follow a person where he can grow and build uh, that God has placed for him to learn from and the message he gives is identifies his moral level and his gift also to see to be a seer see the revelations that God gives and so when these people don't come out of that infant situation, that position, they leave, they become carnal people, uh, truly carnal, and their mind becomes their God. And as we know, then these people state that they have their own head, they have their own Bibles, and this is the most unfortunate thing. They, These people were with us almost 20 years. Some of these people went to church, came to this service, some of them came to the same and listened to the same words you you heard and suddenly began saying that they had their own head and had their own Bibles. One of those who said he had his own Bible actually, uh, it, unfortunately, is homeless today. Uh, he, he is not completely as his mind, uh, he's having problems. And so, God will punish each person as he sees fit. But those who did reject God, they will be punished, who said, as God says, that the uh, devil will have his way, and another will take the position. And if we would have agreed with them, we would have shared in the same destiny with them. And so when we die for a nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires, As Jesus said, if the truth about the cross of Christ destroys the manufacturer, this is when we put forth the effort to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. This is the first step. Deny yourself, and then the understanding comes of what our cross is and take up his cross and follow me we can't follow Christ without the cross upon us as well we're not carrying Christ's cross we're carrying our own cross his cross is the command that was given from the Father to him our cross is the command that God the Father gave to us his the command was, to him was to take our destiny and give us his clean destiny, pure destiny. The Our cross, carrying our cross, is we need to crucify upon the cross of Christ our old nature to to obtain then his, his nature. And so if upon the cross he loses 
fellowship with Christ, with God, with the Father, communication, we reobtain it. He loses power upon the cross, and we obtain power upon the cross. Paul says, "This is uh, for me. This is power receiving, obtaining, or receiving power." And so, carrying our cross, which is fulfilling our calling, is directly tied to a specific nature of suffering that forms us into the image of God. However, not every form of suffering, as we know, forms our character, since the result of committed sin is a form of suffering also, but that also follows death. But such suffering in no way shapes or forms our person into the image of God. The opposite it transforms him into the image of sin. The phrase, follow me, means imitate me and how I fulfill the will of my Father that is demonstrated in His commandments for me. You do the same. Fulfill the commandments that are given to you. Jesus came to perform the will of His Father. The fulfillment of this will for Him was His necessary and beloved food. That is why all of his energy and abilities were focused on seeking and fulfilling the will of the Father. But he said to to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 4, 32-34 The will of the Father for the Son was, as I repeat, that he needed to exchange destinies with man upon the cross. give our destiny to him and his destiny is given to us who receives Christ upon his conditions to take the sin of man and vengeance for sin upon himself and give man upon the very same cross as righteousness and the inheritance of this righteousness I am confident that you have received the word about the cross and the word about the blood not separately but as one whole inseparable that your lips have become the twelve pearly gates by which you are able to enter into the inheritance of the blood of Christ that is contained in the tree of life that bears fruit twelve times a year. You perfectly understand that all of Revelation shows your inner essence and the inner essence of the nation of God and the judgments that are happening that we will talk about later more these are judgments that will begin in the house of God from Jerusalem and also to separate us from our old person so much that you can destroy him and us ourselves to erect and to bring us out of draw us out from death our spirit and soul will be submerged into death in order to separate the old man from us we will be submerged into death with him as Samson said die my soul with the Philistines Delilah was there his soul his uh, five emotions were there his senses and they all were submerged why? so that he can rise again and receive his soul in a new form and then by the new form uh, of the soul and a renewed mind we can then renew our bodies and then the Holy Spirit will receive that ability. You have all of that in you. You have all of that inheritance. You have it inside. You need to understand that. You are surprising people and need to understand that and the happiest people on earth, few people have the treasure you have. Talk to people from other churches even. 
They've never heard anything like it. And when you speak, they don't understand you. They look at you surprisingly like a heretic. They'll look at your word, uh, listen to your words and think it's foolish. But you have this wealth and you know that wealth that you have. Close is the day and the hour when our bodies will suddenly be transformed from uh, corrupt to incorrupt bodies. Right now we will pray and anyone who wants to confront his lusts, his passions, his fears, the deception of, of Satan that says nothing will work for you, it's not for you, don't believe him. This is for you, this is yours, and it is in your heart. Don't be silent, confess it, and wait for the appearance of the Lord and the morning star that will clothe your body. Let us bend our knees and heads. We will pray, and all those who desire to resist sin, lust, passions, fears, earthly fears, you could, we could come to the altar and we'll pray for you to restore your relationship with God. Although you may have fallen, you're still righteous. The righteous will fall seven times, but rise again. And may the Lord bless you in this act of the heart where you resist and you come out and you show and say, Lord, I go to your altar. I want to restore my relationship with you. May your mercy come upon me and may it heal me. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God loves you so much that regardless of how you've fallen, He is for you. He is not going to stay calm until He brings you to victory, until your lusts and passions are under your feet, until He delivers you from those shackles. Close your eyes, this is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without doubt or wrath. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see the pain that is inflicted by sin that I hate, that I am shackled by. May they be destroyed, these chains of sin of my lusts, my passions, that I hate. I love your law. I trust in your law. I trust upon your mercy. I receive your words. I receive your justification by faith 
in Jesus Christ. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains, everlasting hills be on you and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. And so God has performed a great victory. Although you were in sin, you fell into sins, but the words that you have placed into your heart gave you the ability to know that you're still righteous, that you're still a child of God, that He loves you more than He did before that He has pity on you and He has mercy for you. He sees your suffering, your pain, and He just healed you and has delivered you and has forgiven you and has justified you and has blotted out these sins from His memory. And so, leaving this church, you again are entering into the great battle. You may not feel inside, but as soon as you go out behind the doors, behind the walls of this church, you will end up back in that fight, in that battle. May God be with you in that battle, in this war, and may you hold up and be victorious, and may all the blessing of God be on you and be fulfilled on you. Let's proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Our service 